Welcome. Today we are in the fourth part of a sermon series on the letter of James. And it's called Straight Talk for Tough Times because it was a letter written to the early Christians during a time of difficulty and persecution. We'll be reading today from the fourth chapter, beginning in verse number 11. Do not speak evil against one another, brothers and sisters. Whoever speaks evil against another or judges another speaks evil against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is one lawgiver and judge who is able to save and to destroy. So who then are you to judge your neighbor? Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a town and spend a year there doing business and making money. Yet you do not even know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a very little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wishes, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. Anyone then who knows the right thing to do but fails to do it commits sin. This letter of James is filled with advice. 61 examples of advice. And today our passage has two of them. The first one was uh, don't talk bad about other people. Now I know you've heard that before. Is there anyone here whose mom didn't tell that to them? Remember, if you don't have anything good to say, don't say anything at all. James is just backing up your mom. So we won't spend much time on that. You know that part. But the second piece of advice is so important. He says, don't take your life for granted. Don't assume that it's going forever. Don't assume anything about tomorrow. Because life is very ephemeral, he wants us to remember. Steve Irwin was an Australian wildlife expert known around the world as the crocodile hunter. He was killed in September of 2006 while filming along the Great Barrier Reef. His death was a reminder about what James said in our text today, that life is tenuous. His TV program ran for 14 years during which he did many outrageously dangerous things. He survived countless snake bites. He was chased up a tree by a Komodo dragon, spit in the eye by a cobra, and dragged into the water by a massive crocodile. Ironically, it was one of the ocean's least harmful creatures that delivered Irwin's fateful blow, a five-foot stingray. Stingrays are often called the pussycats of the sea because of their docile nature. In fact, there's a place in the Cayman Islands called Stingray City where tourists can actually swim with them and feed them by hand. But for some reason, this stingray that he was filming got spooked and drove its 10-inch serrated barb into Irwin's chest and pierced his heart. If the blow had struck anywhere else, he would have surely survived. I imagine as he jumped into the water that day with his scuba gear on, he thought about 
that he had an easy day ahead of him. No cobras, no crocodiles, just the pussycat of the sea. James says, you never know how much time you have. Nancy Walker of Newport Beach was invited to attend the burial of a goldfish owned by her five-year-old neighbor, Jimmy. Since Jimmy wasn't able to write very well, he asked Miss Walker to do the honors for him, and he handed her a small cardboard tombstone that he had cut out. Well, what do you want it to say, she said. And Jimmy said, Morbert. His name was Morbert. She wrote that down. What else do you want to say, Jimmy? He thought for a moment and said, put, he was fun while he lasted. I guess you could say that of all of us. It's fun while it lasts. At a commencement address at Stanford, Steve Jobs reflected on mortality. He said, remembering that I'll be dead soon is the most important tool I have encountered to help make big choices in life. Because almost everything else, all external expectations, all pride, all fear of embarrassment or failure, these things just fall away in the face of death, leaving only what is truly important. I think one of the things that happens to those of us who are surrounded by affluence, who live an affluent life, is that we forget this aspect of life. We forget the tenuousness of life. And we just assume that everything's going to work, everything's going to go on. I think that's one of the lessons of this pandemic, to realize that there are some problems and difficulties that we can't just solve immediately and change and fix. That there are a lot of things that we are not the master of in this world. That's one of the reasons I like going to a third world country like Malawi, because it reminds you of the tenuousness of life. I remember the first trip I went there, there was a family that was showing me their house, and in every Malawian house there's a room that's called the maize room, and that's where you store the maize after the harvest that you're gonna eat for the next year until the next harvest. First time I was there, this one family had 23 bags of maize in their room, and they were very happy with that. They said it was gonna be enough to, to last them. A few years later, I went back, visited the same family. That year in the maize room, uh, they only had nine bags of maize it wasn't gonna be enough to make it through the year. The difference between the 23 and the nine, well, in the second one, it just didn't rain enough. Just not enough rain to grow enough maize. To think of your life, the, the quality of your life being determined by just the amount of rain that falls in any particular year and how tenuous our connection to life is you also notice that when you travel in Malawi, because every time you get in a car to go anywhere before the journey starts, they have a prayer. They pray for a safe journey 
every time. And now, after seeing the drivers, the cars, and the roads, I'm all for that prayer. And so it reminds you, you know, here we just assume that we're going to, our car's going to start, the road's going to be good, and we're going to make it there safely. James says, be careful of your assumptions. The book of Proverbs puts it this way, do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring forth. You do not know what a day may bring forth. James says, anyone who knows the right thing to do and fails to do it commits a sin. Failing to act in the moment, to do the right thing. Dick Gregory tells a story about when he was young. He was a shoeshine boy, and one day he had taken some of the money that he had made shining shoes, and he was having lunch at a lunch counter. Is eating a bowl of chili, and this hobo, a homeless person, comes in and sits down next to him, orders a bowl of chili and a sandwich, eats them, and then tells the owner of the diner that uh, he doesn't have any money to pay. The owner smashes him in the face and knocks him off the stool, comes around the counter and starts kicking him and kicking him and kicking him. And finally, Dick Gregory said, Stop! I'll pay! The man got up, began to leave. He said, uh, you don't have to pay, I just paid. And then he said, son, if you were going to pay, why didn't you do it a little sooner? We all have an opportunity to act in a particular moment. And our job is to seize that moment and to act in that way. And then we also need to learn how to wait. Scott Peck, in his book, The Road Less Traveled, said, the first step in spiritual growth is to learn delayed gratification, to be able to wait for those things which are important, for those to come to us. There's a beautiful verse in Isaiah that says, those that wait upon the Lord will renew their strength, they shall rise up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not be faint. It's important to know when to wait. It's also important to know when to not wait. My friend Tom Butts tells about an intersection in Fort Walton Beach. And it's a convoluted intersection. And there's this one light street light, and there's a sign on it that says, this light never turns green. You ever felt like that in your own life? That you were waiting at a stoplight, and it just never turns green? I know of single people waiting for someone to come into their life for them to be a partner with. I know of married couples waiting to have a child, and they wait, and they wait, and they wait, and the child doesn't seem to come. People out of a job who go to interview after interview after interview and wait and wait and the job doesn't seem to come. For many people, life is waiting for a green light that never comes. And yet in the midst of all of that, James is encouraging us to celebrate the temporary. Celebrate wherever you are in your life right now. 
whatever point you're at, let that be okay and be present with it. There's a poem called Present Tense that goes like this. It was spring, but it was summer I wanted, the warm days and the great outdoors. It was summer, but it was fall I wanted, the colorful leaves and the cool dry air. It was winter, but it was spring I wanted, the warmth and the blossoming of nature. I was a child, but it was adulthood I wanted, the freedom and the respect. I was 20, but it was 30 I wanted, to be mature and sophisticated. I was middle-aged, but it was 20 I wanted, the youth and the free spirit. I was retired, but it was middle age I wanted, the presence of mind without limitations. My life was over, but I never got what I wanted. It's because they never learned to live in the present. There's a paradox in this text for us. The paradox is, as James says, that our physical life is ephemeral. It's a mist or a vapor that appears for a little while and is gone. So don't take it for granted. Live in the now and appreciate that. You can never guarantee what tomorrow will bring. On the other hand, the gospel teaches us that our lives, our spiritual lives, our souls are eternal. They live forever with God. So that even when the physical is gone, that eternal part of us, our spiritual life, our soul, lives on. In fact, C.S. Lewis, in his wonderful sermon, The Weight of Glory, has a very famous quote about this. He says, There are no ordinary people. You have never talked to a mere mortal. Nations, cultures, arts, civilization, these are mortal and their life is to ours the life of a gnat. But it is immortals whom we joke with, work with, marry, snub, and exploit. Immortal horrors or everlasting splendors. Someone once said that life is a mess, but at the center, all is well. That is our belief as Christians. Our world... Life is a mess, but at the center all is well because we know that God is the center. Amen.